0: once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of The Raging Skillet. And how are you? And here I am once again talking to you in my preferred time, which is right around midnight. That kind of seems to be when I'm really in my mojo, you know what I mean? So what does that mean? Probably that I maybe was a vampire in another life, and so I just sort of love things around midnight. Who knows what it means? It's not like I'm a party girl anymore. I never was a very good party girl, to tell you the truth. And when I was in high school, I really tried. I went to keg parties. Man, do they still have those? Yeah, baby, keg parties. It's not a very 70s, 80s thing, probably, having a keg party. I don't think people do that so much anymore, but maybe in college they do. See, I'd go to a keg party and I would drink beer and, you know, be a party girl. But you know what? Quite honestly, I was usually sort of happy when it was over because I wasn't as wild as people thought I was. I mean, I was pretty wild, but maybe the more accurate thing to say is I wasn't as wild as I thought I was. I was reminiscing recently because... I took a look at my old high school yearbook photo. And I had to post it. I posted it on Facebook, of course. Because what's life without Facebook? Oh my God, how'd we live before Facebook? Blah, blah. Anyway, I put it with the caption, it's interesting to look at your high school yearbook photo and think about how much you've changed, but also how much you have not. And so that girl was a pretty wild child. I think it was one of the wilder photos you're going to see in a yearbook. I was sort of doing a combination punk rock, new wave. It was like right in that moment when punk rock started morphing into new wave. So diehard punk rockers would say that's when punk rock died and this more palatable music was born. But I don't know. I liked both of them. What's the difference? Well, I guess it's like television was punk rock. You may not even know who they were. All right, let's say the Sex Pistols were punk rock. And New Wave was more like the cars. They had one foot in punk, but the other foot in the more palatable New Wave. Or New Wave was more like the psychedelic furs. Do you know them? Well, I'm not going to give you a music lesson of the early 80s, but it's just like punk took a bath and had a nap and switched from whiskey to chamomile tea kind of thing. Anyway, but there was still some really cool stuff happening in New Wave. But where was I going with this? I don't even remember anymore. How interesting. Anyway, so looking at my high school yearbook photo, I had one foot in punk and the other foot in New Wave and I sort of rode the two. I mean, my greatest love was Blondie who started out as punk and then became more commercial and more palatable. And they just, I don't know, just love them. Always have and always will. And Patti Smith started out as punk. She was almost pre-punk. And she became kind of more rocker chick palatable, some say. But I don't know. I think they're gorgeous then, gorgeous now. And even though I was a punk rocker, probably, if truth be told... I liked the music more when it got a little more chill. Because you can only slam dance for so long, like banging my head up and down to the sex pistols. After a while, it gives you a migraine, you know what I mean? So maybe I'm not such a badass like I like to think I was. And the same could be said today. Now... Why on earth am I talking about this? I just kind of happened recently. So I went on memory lane and a lot of stuff has been happening recently. So I've been thinking about that little high school badass that I used to be and thinking about how much of her is still around. I have to say, I do need her. I need to pull out that badass girl quite often. And it's kind of surprising how often I need to pull her out. Like I just had a really killer week. I mean, you've had that kind of week. When I, mean, I catered back-to-back weddings. I mean, imagine catering one wedding. That's hard enough, right? But then imagine catering two difficult weddings back-to-back, and that's hard enough. But then imagine doing that and also doing a large tasting for a bunch of couples back-to-back. That's hard enough. But imagine doing all of that and having your dishwasher conk out and having your sous-chef have to wash dishes, it's just on and on and on. It's been kind of a crazy, difficult week. But what really got me through it was that badass girl who had one foot in punk rock and the other foot inching into new wave. And she was a total badass, or at least she thought it was good enough for me. And so she propelled me through this week. And then the reward at the end, the light at the end of the tunnel, was knowing that I had cranked out some hardcore, awesome food. And knowing that my excellent, truly awesome, fabulous staff, you know, really came through. The great and powerful Sharmuffy, catering director of the gods, really came through in difficult situations, trust me. Like it was raining and the roof was leaking and the guests were downstairs and upstairs, you know, difficult. And Sluffy came through. She flew in, landed in the airport, Took a shower, I think, and went to work. Crazy. And Ronathon came through. And Jeremiah came through. And Manuelita came through. I just gave him a nickname. Anyway, I don't need to go through every single person in the universe, but the point is I had a great staff, and they came through, and the food was awesome. There were some particular culinary highlights that i love to share with you because this is kind of a food show you know, kind of, sort of, maybe. One of them was the brisket. I think I talked to you about it last podcast, but it really came out sublime. And this particular brisket, I had a little bit of fun with it. So I made a sauce at a barbecue sauce, you know, a deep, rich barbecue sauce. But then I added to it, I had fun because I wanted it extra wet. So I added like a Two quarts of apple juice to it to make it wet, not so thick. An extra Worcestershire and some gluten-free tamari to keep it gluten-free because our bride was gluten-free and so am I. And we did a nice rub. I rubbed the brisket. Manually to trim the extra fat, but left a nice layer on it. And I made a rub out of cumin and coriander and paprika and garlic powder and onion powder and Old Bay and chili powder. And, cra- and cracked black pepper, two different kinds. I did a kind of a crushed black pepper and then I pureed it in the spice grinder. So a couple of different textures. And we just rubbed the brisket all up in that. And then we put it in deep baking pans, but we had it on a rack because we wanted it to be you know, like a half inch off the bottom so it wouldn't be sitting and wet. And f- we poured into that some apple juice just to get a nice steam thing happening. and then we foiled over it, put in the oven at 3:25, kind of a low temperature. And I'm saying we put in the oven about, oof, at least 50 pounds of brisket. Cooked it for an hour, hour and a half. Then we took it out, and then we drowned it in that sauce I just told you about the barbecue, tamari, Worcestershire, more apple juice everything gorgeous sauce and put the foil over it and that brisket cooked forever I think we wound up cooking how many briskets do we have we had five briskets but they were huge so we cut them in half and we had 10 sort of human-sized briskets not like it's a person we're eating but you know what I mean I just saw a yellow jacket so I have the eating people thing on my brain you know that was a little bit freaky. I don't know if you're at port in the, in the show. I'm not going to tell you because it's a spoiler alert. But clearly, there's going to be some people eating thing happening in Yellow Jackets. And I do recommend it. It's a great show. But I digress. Anyway, we pulled out our brisket. It was fully done. It took a very long time, though. It was like five and a half hours and kind of wanted a little more five and a half to six hours. And then it took a couple hours to cool off. And we chilled it overnight, We took the brisket out of the wet and we poured all the wet in a big pot, put everything in the walk-in. The next day, we took that sauce up and it was very easy to take the fat off. It was just a thick, hard layer. Took it right off. Jeremiah did that for me. And then I reduced it. And as I reduced it, I realized it wanted a little bit of sweet, so I gave it some molasses. And I realized it wanted a little bit of heat, so I gave it some Tabasco. And I gave it some celery salt and a little salt and pepper. And reduced it and reduced it, and it just came around gorgeous. And then when the brisket was ice cold, we sliced it. We put it in deep hotel pans. And off we went to the wedding. So we have our cold sliced brisket, and we have all of this gorgeous sauce. And Manuelito heated it up by pouring all the sauce over the brisket, putting it in our proofing cabinet, which is a catering heating cabinet. We're basically cooking everything with camping fuel. We put a cover over the top and just let it sit in that sauce and steam and get even more and more and more awesome. By the time we served it, I'm saying you did not need teeth to eat this. It was so soft and so amazing and just the sauce was, it was, took it like a sponge. Anyway, we had gorgeous salmon pastrami, Jewish bride, Jewish Ashkenazi bride, marrying a boy from Texas. So Texas barbecue brisket for him, pastrami-crusted salmon for her. So we had this beautiful pastrami-crusted salmon in a molasses glaze to kind of give it a little barbecuey edge too. And people liked it. Of course they liked it. But they went mental. For the brisket and at the end of the night the mother of the bride who really was looking kind of sexy you know it's a good thing if the mother of the bride looks sexy that's a really good thing for the groom because he knows when his lady gets older she's still gonna be hot you know she was gorgeous so is her mom so good advertising right anyway she came up to me and she said you know what we got a whole lot of people here from texas and i gotta say i'm from texas too and I got to say, that's the best brisket I ever had in my life. And now I got to say, that's a compliment. When a lady from Texas says you made the best brisket she ever had in her life, you know that you're cooking some mighty fine brisket. That's quite a talent. So I got to thank that badass little girl, that one in high school who went to keg parties and probably shouldn't have drank so much beer because later on I learned as allergic to gluten. I never could figure out why when I had a beer, I would puff up like I was nine months pregnant and then basically spend the rest of the night farting. I'm sorry. Excuse my language, but there you have it. You are allowed to say fart on public radio, I checked. Maybe not, you know, in a formal dinner, you might not say it, but you know, clearly I'm a lowbrow kind of girl. Anyway, But he didn't realize there was a reason that I was not enjoying all that beer when I was in high school. Still, that badass little girl, she comes out to play, and she gets me through some tough times. You know, I used to wonder how it was that I survived the early 80s, living in one of the most dangerous neighborhoods ever. I mean, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, in 1981, forget about it, ask anyone. You used to wonder how I survived. And it wasn't like I grew up there and I was streetwise and tough and had all my skills, you know. I got shipped over from the Jersey Shore where, you know, come on, this was like vanilla land. Like the most dangerous thing that was going to happen to you was that, um, well, you might get drunk and go driving. That was pretty dangerous and that happened a lot, unfortunately. But you weren't going to get mugged on the Jersey Shore. So, I wasn't quite prepared to be dropped off in this super dangerous neighborhood. And I figured my way through it. I got through it, and it was that badass little girl who got me through it. I mean, what really propelled me was a combination of rage, fury, and chutzpah. And it's kind of interesting that all that rage helped me survive, it was really like gasoline. And then all these years later, without even thinking about it, I end up naming my company The Raging Skillet and my book The Raging Skillet and the play adapted from my book Raging Skillet. So there's a whole lot of rage still happening in my life except now it's not fury like it used to be. Now it's raging as in rocking. You know, it should be raging and rocking skillet. If I ever need another name for a company, it's going to be the Raging Rocking Skillet, I think. But we'll see. I digress par usual. So, the week went great, and I'm talking to you now, and I'm at the light of the other tunnel on the the other side of all this Chazerai and My beautiful friend Susie Starlight was always correcting me. Because I would always say mishigash. And she would say, it's not mishigash, it's Michigas. It's not a shish on the end. But I don't care. I like saying mishigash. And I love you, Susie Starlet, and I miss you. But it's mishagash for me. You know, if you come back someday from heaven, then I'll say it the way you want it. And if I see you again, I'll say it the way you want it too. But we survived the mishagash because the badass little girl pushed me through it. And we did some gorgeous killer brisket that the Texans loved. And then the side dishes were kind of fun too. So we had our beautiful vegetables, which are always a hit. So we'll roast cauliflower and salt and pepper and olive oil and a little bit of paprika for color. That's my chef Ronathon's little twist. And we roasted carrots, gorgeous, and we roasted asparagus, gorgeous, and yellow squash and zucchini, mixed all that up, seasoned with salt and pepper. That was one side dish. Then we had beautiful crispy Yukon gold potatoes roast as the other side dish. But the piece de resistance was every table got its own big ceramic oval platter of my famous deep dish, super awesome, Mac and cheese. This is like a three alarm mac and cheese. I'm telling you, I made the mistake of taking a full Ziploc bag of it home for leftovers, and I don't usually take my food home because I'm kinda sick of it by the time I'm done cooking it. But I took a full Ziploc bag of it home, and you know what? I have to admit to you I've been eating it for two days. And the reason is because since the bride was gluten-free, we made all the mac and cheese for everybody gluten-free, and nobody noticed. All the gluten-free people could eat it, but everyone could eat it. And I think if you ate it, you wouldn't see the difference. So, unfortunately, I took a bag of it home, and I'd been eating mac and cheese cold, not even bothering to heat it up, because that was my big love. When I was in high school, I'd go over and visit my old man friend, Mr. T., He would stock his fridge with Michelob Light, his freezer with Snickers bars, and he would make a big casserole of mac and cheese. And I would go over and eat it cold with a Michelob Light and chase it with a frozen Snickers bar. And that was, oh my God, that was five star cuisine to me. I think it was much better to me cold. And so that's what I've been doing for two days, eating cold mac and cheese. How pathetic is that? I feel like a fat pig. What can I say? But I loved every moment of it. And then to save myself, because I think I would have continued eating cold mac and cheese for another day, I took all the rest of the mac and cheese to my favorite sweet lady, Lucy, who works in the laundromat. But she doesn't work in the laundromat doing laundry. She grows plants because my local laundromat is now looks like a jungle with washing machines. Because Lucy has got plants everywhere and she's selling them and growing them and selling them. So it's kind of a wild trippy laundromat, but I get a kick out of her. So I brought her the rest of the mac and cheese and she's very happy. You gotta, you know, spread it around. Now, how did I make that demon mac and cheese? You ask, did you ask? I feel like you're asking me. I feel in my bones that you're asking me. All right, so here's how it rolls. I make a roux, cause that's a fancy French talk. It's flour and butter. But I get like about a pound of sweet butter and I got that melted in a big giant pot. You need a tall, wide giant pot. Enough in my case for 2 gallons of milk in a big old pot. I melt my butter and then I whisk in flour and I used gluten-free flour. And I whisk and I stir and I shimmy and I shake my tushy and I get a little groove in my in my head, you know, while I'm doing it. You know, boogie in, boogie out, boogie up, boogie down. Well, whatever. You get it. So I'm stirring my roux, and then when I get a real kind of a caramelly, golden-looking roux, I start throwing in some seasonings, Throw in paprika and cumin and coriander and chili powder and Old Bay it in, get it going, get it going. I throw in salt and pepper and celery salt and get it going, get it going. And then I throw in a big heap and plop of Dijon mustard and stir and shimmy. And then I throw in some Frank's hot sauce and stir and shimmy. And just to make it even a little hotter, I top that with some Tabasco and stir and shimmy and stir and shimmy. Then I start whisking in milk. In this case, I whisked in a whole gallon of milk. And then I kept stirring and stirring and stirring until it started feeling thick, like the roux was making the milk feel thick. And I wanted a little more because I had a lot of cheese. So I put another half gallon, so I had a gallon and a half of milk in there, and it got nice and thick and beautiful and tasty. Tasted like mac and cheese almost already without the cheese. Then I threw in, oh my God, a ton of cheese. I guess the equivalent of five pounds of grated Monterey Jack and about five pounds of grated cheddar. And then I had a Ziploc bag of smoked Gouda, triple cheese threat, And I stirred a shimmy and adjusted it with a little salt and pepper. And I got a thick, gorgeous, crazy, cheesy sauce. And then we boiled about 14 pounds of gluten-free elbow macaroni. And I got, I wanted it to be the most similar to the regular white pasta and I didn't do a quinoa or chickpea or anything. And so I did one that's a, I think was like a Ronzoni or or something like that. And it's um, made out of rice and corn. So it really kind of was similar and boiled it and strained it and didn't rinse it, put it in a big bowl. In this case, two giant bowls, covered it with this thick cheesy sauce. And then we sprayed some cooking spray in our deep hotel pans and we poured our extra cheesy mac and cheese in the hotel pans. And then, just to go even cheesier, we topped all of them with grated cheddar. Stuck it in the oven just so the cheese melted on top. Took it out of the oven and that was it. Put it in, cooled it off. Saran wrapped it up and put it in the fridge. Brought it to the party. Warmed it up and scooped it into the ceramic giant ramekins, and everyone got their very own extra cheesy, gluten-free mac and cheese. Now, there is nothing better in the universe for a fun-loving couple getting married than some deep-dish mac and cheese and all-day barbecued brisket. But I forgot to tell you one thing about the brisket, and I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. In the last hour of cooking, I took the brisket out, and I just wanted to give it my secret ingredient to make sure it had the right amount of sweet and the right bend to the sauce and the right amount of moisture. And so I opened up a big old bottle of Pepsi, and I poured, mm, let's say, a couple of glasses of Pepsi into each of those briskets. And in the very end, when I tasted the brisket when it was fully cooked, I got that nice little back taste of Pepsi. Now, I don't know why it is that Coca-Cola doesn't work for me when it comes to brisket. Because drinking-wise, I don't drink Coke or Pepsi anymore. But given the choice, I'd rather drink a Coke. But when it comes to brisket, i rather use Pepsi. And that's a nice, interesting edge. Turn around the corner with some Pepsi in your brisket. Yeah, baby. So, I'm all jazzed up about all the the gorgeous food I made. I'm all jazzed up that I survived this killer, deadly week that is not fit for mortals, you know what I mean? People who work in the restaurant industry and the catering industry sometimes will call other people civilians. But the reason is that it's hard for a lot of people to comprehend how hard it is to work in a restaurant, to work in the kitchen of a restaurant, to work the line of a restaurant, to do the cooking for hundreds of people. Now, if you're listening to me and you know what it's like to work in a restaurant, whether you're a waiter or a bartender or a chef, then you know what hard work is. And if you know what it's like to cook for hundreds of people or thousands of people, then you know what hard work is. So you know when I say I had a killer week, I'm not complaining. All right, I was kvetching a little bit, but I'm Jewish, that's what we do. But I'm not complaining, I'm thrilled that I got through it because of that badass little new wave punk rock chick who pushed me through. So thank God for her. She still comes out to play. Anyway, there was a reward also, which was really in the end, the applause, how much love there was. The bride and groom from the wedding we did on Friday night, which also had fabulous food. They had my Korean barbecue beef with red pepper miso sauce, a beautiful, exciting thing. And they were they were a double meat couple. They couldn't be bothered with fish. They didn't like fish. That's okay. It's their wedding. And they can get what they want. So they also had my roast breast of chicken and apricot mustard glaze, which I've already talked to you about. But if you want the recipe, just shoot me an email through theragingskillet.com and I'll give you the recipe. So they had some gorgeous food too. And I felt super jazzed and proud and excited about that wedding. But for me personally doing that crazy Pepsi barbecue brisket and that deep dish mac and cheese really got my yayas off. You know what I mean? It kind of thrilled me. So whatever it is that you do, and I don't care what it is, just be happy. Just find some joy and find some pride. And, you know, you got to feel it in your solar plexus a little bit. There's a lot of things about my business I hate. I hate dealing with, you know, all of the bills. I hate dealing with all of the hundred millions of inspections of every possible thing for every possible occasion. I hate dealing with all the millions of things that break. The fridge breaks and you gotta get a fix and there's another thousand dollars and the air conditioner breaks, there's another thousand dollars, and the ceiling's leaking and you gotta get new ceiling tiles and just endless chazerai in being a small business owner, especially in New York City, but I'm sure everywhere. Endless chazerai. So you've got to hang on to the good stuff. To the people smiling and laughing and clapping and hugging you and telling you everything was wonderful. To the staff being awesome. To feeding them all and having them love the food. Having them take food home and tell you the next day that they just ate it and they love it. You've got to hang on to all that good stuff. Because it'll help you get through the chazerai. You know what I mean? So, is there a point to all this? Yeah. Just hang on to the good stuff. Don't dwell on the chazarai, You know, and if you eat meat, make some killer barbecue brisket. And if you don't cook, go to someone else's house who's making killer barbecue brisket or go out somewhere who's doing it. Last time I was in Texas, I had some killer barbecue brisket, actually. So to have the Texans say that my brisket is the best they ever had, well, all I can say is yee honey. That's pretty awesome. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. And add a little Pepsi to your brisket if you're making some brisket because it does make a little interesting turn that's kind of awesome. And I don't know why it doesn't work for me with Coke, but probably I got to just get over that. But now I kind of feel like drinking a Coke. But listen, Coke and Pepsi, you both have enough money. I'm not advertising for you. You know, go find someone else to do that. Everyone else, just rock on with your bad self and channel your inner child to propel you forward. Adios.